I'm Fee. Um, I uh, have a lived experience of a diagnosis of personality disorder, uh, a treatment of a whole variety uh, of things, but specifically ended up in a, a democratic therapeutic community. Uh, and now I work uh, as the lived experience lead for the Complex Emotional Needs Pathway in Central and North West London NHS Trust. And I'm Mel and similarly I've got lived experience of lots of different bits and pieces and was very lucky to um, find my recovery within the context of a therapeutic community um, some years ago now and I'm also very lucky to now work at Central North West London NHS Foundation Trust with Fee um, in the role of Head of Lived Experience Workforce in the Recovery and Wellbeing College. Wonderful, thank you, welcome. So we did, you opened the conference yesterday, you did this really brilliant uh, performance and then talk um, so how did that kind of open letter come about? Tell people who didn't hear it a little bit about what you did and where it came from. So um, Mel and I have actually known each other for quite uh, many years now, mm. through professionally but through different kind of places of work. And we realised quite quickly my background also before all of this, I trained as an actor and I worked as an actor and a, a musical theatre performer. And Mel, you know, you have history in that as well, which you can speak about. So um, we were actually approached by um, Ollie Dale for another conference to uh, do some kind of performancey writing, because, you know, Fee, that's your kind of thing, and so is Mel, uh, to do something about being in a therapeutic community, kind of go for it. Um, and we were like, okay. Um, so we started just by discussing up, because the models we went through, although they were both therapeutic communities, they were very different in model. Um, but of course, there were similarities. So we started just by coming together and sharing our memories. And we were struck by, uh, I was struck by how much we laughed. Mm. but also some of the really powerful when we remembered oh there was that person and this happened and that and this and people I hadn't thought about in years uh, and suddenly getting back in touch with what they meant to me on a personal level but also in a kind of leading to what you learn from going through that experience which for me was transformative in terms of actually being able to move forward and the latter kind of just seemed the most appropriate way to do it because it was really saying thank you to those people I mean we obviously changed the names um, but the experiences we were talking about were really based on things that we both felt um, and it felt like we wanted to express thank, thank you to those people even for those really difficult uncomfortable moments that we shared because through you and in some cases through what you lost and sacrificed I'm still here and I'm still alive and that's an incredible gift um, so here's the letter from and who's it to it's from us. Yeah, I, I would say it's from, from both of us to people that are sadly no longer with us, people that are sadly no longer in our lives um, or, or just no longer in our lives in quite a neutral way. They've gone on and they're living their lives. And, and some of the people that are still in our lives, but our, it's to our community, I would say, really, the communities that were then, the communities that are now, um, the communities that we're not maybe a part of but that are existing. And, you know, the, the number... I've been really touched, actually, by the number of people with lived experience at the conference who've approached us to say how much it deeply resonated mm. because they, too, understand what it is to be in relationship in that very specific way um, when you've, you know, walked through the darkest night of the soul together and shared and had a transformational learning experience as a result of bearing witness to each other. Um, and I think, I mean, I guess another dimension of it for me, you know, I had always had a bit of a preoccupation with sort of autobiography and brutality. I wrote my undergraduate dissertation on that when I was studying theatre way before I worked in mental health. And um, coming to the process of writing an open letter and, as Fiona's described, kind of working with this brief of do something about <laughs> what it is to be in a TC for this conference, Melon Fee, um, was a really beautiful 
way of starting to think about what it would be to address an audience in the way that you often address a big group in a TC, um, share something really brutal and powerful for a good purpose and to get a positive outcome as a result of sharing pain and and again a theme of kind of pain to purpose you know myself and Fiona I feel very lucky to work very closely and regularly with Fiona these days again Um, and we talk about it a lot within our work what does it mean to take something painful and give it new meaning what 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 is there in the meaning making from peer to peer not hierarchically done not a top down but democratically sharing and liberating new um, perspectives on story and lived experiences by making them communal and, and in some ways, actually taking some of the sting out, but amplifying other bits of the sting so that it lands in a way that feels impactful but purposeful. As somebody who's been to a lot of mental health conferences over the last kind of 20 years, mm-hmm. what I've noticed is that there's obviously this gap between research and practice, but there's also a gap between the human stories of mental health and conferences and what we've tried what we've tried to do I think over the last decade or so is bring in lived experience speakers and stories and that has worked to a certain extent but I think it's often tick box type involvement and what you did was a kind of creative piece with a lived experience story and it really struck me that that was much more moving and authentic because of the creativity behind it Um, so we need to do more of that, don't we? I, yes. Heartily <laughs> yeah. agree. And I think I personally have a very strong reaction. And I guess it's how I started my kind of lived experience service user consultant experience uh, through you bring someone on and they talk about how awful their life was and then how much they've changed and everyone goes, gosh, well done because you're still standing and that's incredible. Uh, and off you go. And there's always a... I'm so torn between... It's so important we hear those stories. Of course it is. But it feels really voyeuristic. And, I, and, and I, as someone who used to stand there and share my story so freely and then come away feeling so vulnerable and so exposed. Mm. And I, I feel very uncomfortable with that. And I think, for me, there's something in the creative process. We've, yes, it's woven around our stories, as, as well as the people that we were kind of in, in treatment alongside. And as we say, we've anonymised them, then that's really important I think um, but it's because you put the performance in it it's it's a step back I think mm. it means it feels protective because actually I'm up there as a performer speaking my truth as opposed to me fee let me tell you about the worst days of my life and, and it it feels something different in terms of actually how we protect the speakers the, the lived experience speakers um, but also a hope in how someone's able to think they're able to get beyond the oh gosh, you've had an awful life and that's horrific. And actually, I suppose we were thinking a little bit again and following on from this morning's presentation, don't get stuck in the guilt and the shame because that's a defence in itself. Actually, you need to come back to, so what do we do? Um, yeah, and I think theatre or performance in some way can do that. Definitely, yeah. And I think for me as well, there's something really, really key about, um, as Fee's kind of alluded to, stories for stories' sake are really key and important, and sometimes it's important that we all sit down, shut up, and listen. Mm. Um, but if we can amplify the impact of that by bringing a creative process alongside it, we broaden the story because we're suddenly working in the realm and the domain of fiction, and there's license to weave stories and you know adapt stories, which, uh, as Fee's described, we did for this piece, not only to anonymise and protect, but actually 
to ensure that lots of different stories, including some that I didn't live, some that Fee didn't live, some that we had known about through some other ways or channels or we imagined, could be brought and considered. And actually what was real or not or documented is less important than the bearing witness. And, and again, this idea that if we can... I use this kind of tentatively, but if we can assault in some way via landing something really impactful through its creative medium, we can do something quite shouty in a way that doesn't shut people up yeah. and turn them off and have them not listening, sitting in their seats, and rather their ears open because the medium is a is a, a sort of beautiful Trojan horse, if you like, to do something quite bold and different and sometimes quite demanding, which I, I feel you know, from a lived experience perspective is, is really key. You know, I think we all are aware that there's plenty of critics of this conference, of the work that myself, Fee and others do and the way that we do our work. And I feel personally a real responsibility to do what I can to amplify the critical voices, the voices who are working similarly to me, the voices who hate what I do, because I think it really helps all of us. And we, again, myself, Fee and other colleagues talk regularly about how do we retrain our true north by listening mm. to our greatest critics? How do we even hear some of the stuff that's difficult to hear but important to consider um, and not defensively just reject and go, oh, well, they're just this or they're just that, as I know, you know, it would be easier to do on some days. Mm. Um, but it feels really important. And I think creative arts are a really interesting way of bringing, bringing those perspectives in a way that, like Fee said, it doesn't become tokenistic because actually... With that, you know, I, as Fee alluded to, I was a theatre maker. I ran a theatre company that was relatively successful. I was working, I had an agent as a, th as a playwright. You know, I was working and jobbing alongside some sort of early doors mental health work. Fee's had a long and very successful, again, professional career as, a, as an actor. So we were there, I would hope, and I think, as much on the merit of what we bring to a creative process and what we can jointly co-create and and bring and, and um, offer up from that perspective as our lived experience narratives and the relationship with the work we make. Medical education is really, really boring, and, you know, <laughs> particularly the online stuff, and it's really, you know, it's something that you hear a lot from clinicians, oh, I have to do that CPD stuff again. Why aren't we using these sort of techniques like forum theatre to actually communicate effectively to people the emotional experience of being a patient or a carer um so lots of reasons i think partly because it is i would say more challenging it's very easy i've been doing my mandatory training in the last couple of weeks it's very easy to just click through the screens um but if it's something like that that really requires you to engage and think it takes longer um it is more assaulting uh, and therefore it feels harder and less attractive and it probably creates waves I'd say it's a bit more controversial and in the interest of keeping quiet and business as usual I think it's an easier route to just stick with the traditional kind of methods we might be used to I think there's also a very real thing about art there's, uh, art's expensive actually mm. if you pay somebody a proper writer's fee to write a piece of theatre even equity minimum wage is more than many people might expect or want to pay. And that whole thing, and this is my little artist plug, about, oh, yeah, look, can you, can you come and take some pictures of my wedding because you can use it for your portfolio. So you, you want me to work for free mm. to give, you know, but then you think of the, the kind of training and things that, that go into it. And so, so I think um, it, it's a more expensive medium. And I think there's a fear of then allocating that money for something that's seen as perhaps a bit arty and, and not science enough, mm. maybe seen as a bit too kind of hippie-ish or a bit too 
out there. Um, my feeling is actually, I think, even just as someone who is being trained, it's far more effective. Um, and there's ways of doing it. I think also people have awful experience of being asked to do role play. So mm. I think if people even hear that the training might have that element of something drama-based or writing-based or autograph, there's a panic and there's a, a real defensiveness and wanting to take it up that you have to put a lot of work in to break through. And that requires a massive commitment. Mm. So I, my feeling, in all honesty, is that it's, it's, it's easier to go with what's usually done. But I think it would be actually far more effective to kind of take the plunge and do something more dynamic but yeah and I mean I'm I feel really fascinated by this because this was one of the spaces that my theatre company when we were running it's been kind of shut shut shop for a little while now but we were really interested in this arts and health space we attended mm. arts and health conferences and um, we did pieces of work that were either commissioned by CCGs or trusts to think about um, we, you know, we did a beautiful project, which I will always feel was, you know, and my, my, some of my nearest and dearest call my greatest work, um, which was with a bunch of carers and the CCG co-producing what it would look like for good responses to carers from mental health services to be. And we had carers coming in and tapping our actors on the shoulder and saying, right, move over. I'm going to tell you how it really happens when I'm on the phone to the CMHT or on the phone to someone's care coordinator. Um, so... Yeah, I've borne witness and felt very, very privileged to have worked with really innovative commissioners or, or managers who had a little bit of underspend or wanted to do mm. something bold and different and were willing to put their name on the line to, to facilitate that when I was working more, more um, regularly in, in sort of theatre and health. Um, and I know actor friends who are still regularly doing simulated practice contracts in medical training schools or um, trusts. I feel very lucky that at CNWL... Um, our safe practice team is a co-produced team so there's lots of lived experience half of our tutors are actually lived experience tutors so they've got physical lived experience of um, physical intervention also known as restraint um, and their job is to train staff to think about de-escalation skills think about how not to put hands on think about how to when we must for whatever reason um, and I say that as somebody who's experienced being stalked on an inpatient ward myself. So I know that there are times where actually my safety would have been ensured if, if you know, there had been physical barriers provided. Um, that we do that in a way that is compassionate, as minimal as possible, as least restrictive as possible. And they've done, some of my colleagues working in that space at CNWL have done some incredible work around um, interactive, simulated practice, role play, um, bringing in actors and, and thinking about what really enhances our training. And as somebody who also shares a senior management team with our Statman training lead, I know the time, the money, the compliance how that gets escalated through our governance structures, how tricky it is to just hit the targets we need to hit to ensure that we've got basic levels of, of training coverage from a statman perspective covered, or the statutory mandatory, I should say, sorry. Um, so innovating in that space, particularly in the context of the last two years, is a really challenging conversation at times because, you know, ultimately compliance is, is must rule supreme, and of course it must. We don't want people working without the intel because you know the actors can't make it for two weeks or something um but I do think Fiona's absolutely right and, and put it beautifully there's so much more we could be doing and for me it starts and I'm obsessed with what starts with training training our nurses training our social workers training our medics training our you know occupational therapists everyone who makes up the broad church of of roles including all the amazing new roles like navigation roles and 
management roles um, that are coming into organisations and starting there at OSCEs and, you know, um, simulated practice during kind of, you know, pre-registration training programmes and getting people working not only with real lived experience that's not kind of acted or performed, but, you know, um, like myself, I worked for six years as a tutor on a, an undergraduate mental health programme at Canterbury Christchurch University and felt so privileged and know that I made a real impact on the nurses that I supported their training, you know, had a relationship with them for the three years, um, met some of them in first year and was delighted to have different conversations with them by third year. So it really works, but it we're talking about a whole systems change, I mm. think, and that's, that's where it gets tricky because it's expensive, it's complex, it takes a really specific interplay of skills and knowledge and understanding to coordinate or try and have a go at doing and it's very disposable. No, no, there's not going to be, I don't think, for a while at least, if ever, a target around making this happen. It will be someone's vision and someone's mm. tenacity somewhere. Um, I hope maybe once we get our <laughs> our sort of bread and butter jobs done and we've cracked it with lived experience <laughs> stuff in other ways, maybe that will be the next one on me and Fiona's hit list. Let's see. <laughs> but I think we're a long way off at the moment. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your yeah passion for this it was brilliant and uh, yeah i really hope that you carry on doing it and you inspire others to do the same thank, thank you. you thank you for having us on.